0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Megan has been on me to take a look at some other sci fi series. So she has prevailed, and we will take up the 11 episodes, I think, of Firefly. It's a little bit different than uh, anything we've done before, certainly not MCU, Star Trek, Star Wars, or any of those classic science fiction shows. But We're going to give it a shot. It is uh, Western in space, so I'm really excited to do this series with her. So, today, Episode 7, Janestown. In this episode, we find the Serenity landing on a planet to meet a contact. Although Jane Cobb insists he is wanted there by... The authorities, for some prior action, the crew is dumbfounded to learn that the locals revere Jane as a folk hero. Mal attempts to use Jane's status as a distraction to move smuggled goods across town. However, the magistrate, Mr. Higgins, releases Jane's former accomplice, one Stitch Hessian, whom Jane abandoned years ago during a botched robbery and now seeks revenge on Jane by murdering him. Stitch publicly confronts Jane, revealing to the townspeople what they believe is false. Stitch shoots, but a villager jumps in front of Jane and is killed. Jane kills Stitch and urges the townspeople to stop viewing him as a hero. hero. Serenity is landlocked by Higgins' order to capture Jane, yet Higgins' 26-year-old son who is encouraged by Inara, who has taken his virginity in a very elaborate companion ceremony to stand up for himself as paid for by Higgins. And he unlocks the ship and the serenity departs from the planet. And Now Megan Doherty joins me to discuss it. Megan, we get to honor Jane. Where do you want to start?
1: Oh, man, should we start with the song? (laughs) Because the song was pretty great.
0: (laughs) I have to say I was digging on the song.
1: Let's set that up a little bit, because I I love this episode. It starts off, they're going to go a new job. They're going to the town of Canton on a planet where at least one of them has been before. And Jane it's close to opens up the show with a scene of him taping a gun to his chest being told off by the captain because guns aren't allowed in this town canton and he confesses that he has been there before and has perhaps left some hard feelings behind him only to discover when they get into the town that is a company town which we should talk about later that there is not only warm feelings for him but a statue in the middle of town he has apparently become a folk hero so Tom, what do you think of this setup and reveal uh from the first part of the show
0: So I really like the setup about before we got to the statue because it was clear Jane had been there. It was clear he pissed off some pretty big honchos in this place. So we knew something, some conflict was going to happen involving him. And then when we get to the statue, the other little strand that's going on is Kaylee is doing her best puppy dog act. (laughs) around the doctor and uh, but interspaced with being a goo goo eyed puppy dog (laughs) she is chastising him for never (laughs) cursing and when he sees the statute he lets out for him one of the worst curses of all time which i will say even though we do run a pg podcast here it was son of a bitch (laughs) Which I think was particularly
1: notable because normally everyone swears in Chinese, and this was an English language swear.
0: So it's clear that whatever Jane did or didn't do, it's been interpreted in a different way. And that reveal leads us to the bar scene where they're drinking something akin to mother's milk, but with a few other different ingredients. (laughs) But the doc traces it back to the Israelis, not Israelis, the um, Egypt, Jews in Egypt when they were slaves and built the pyramids. Although it was not slaves that built the pyramids, it was Egyptians that built the pyramids. That was interesting. And there's, we really should discuss Jane's get up and the clothes he's wearing because it's apparently the dead of. Summer, and he's wearing an overcoat, the hood, and goggles. Big goggles. Big goggles. But somebody in the bar recognizes him, or at least raises an eyebrow, and that somebody is a teenage boy, a young teenage boy, maybe not even a teenage boy. And Jane chews him away or scares him away or something, but he runs outside. But it's pretty clear he's been recognized. The mission... That the Serenity is on is to pick up some cargo in this on this planet, and it's not clear to me if this cargo is mud or, but that's what the planet creates mud. Pretty unique because it's pretty special mud. The person who's supposed to be their middleman, it turns out, has been killed, and so someone else makes contact with them and they have to plan how to get this special mud out. And that's when, I can't remember what causes Jane to run outside, but he runs outside the bar and the town's populace is outside (laughs) waiting for him and gives him a standing ovation. So you want to pick it up from there?
1: Definitely, and this not only provides... Jane probably the kind the first kind of like real positive reinforcement that he's ever had in his life but provides the great material for the kind of distraction that's going to be needed to rescue the cargo from its hiding place and they go back into the barn there's this wonderful scene where he goes he's still freaking out about everything and he asks the bartender for a drink he wants some of this mother's milk and the bartender Absolutely not. He, the hero drinks the best whiskey in the house and a party ensues. So everyone is drinking, laughing, having a great time. And Simon and Kaylee flirt a lot more honestly and openly than they have to date, which was a pretty delightful scene. Do
0: you want to tell us about the other plot point going on with Honora?
1: Absolutely. This is, I really like this kind of thread in the plot. Canton has a magistrate, the one that Jane robbed the last time he was in town and the magistrate is contracted with Inara in order to deflower his 26 year old son, who is apparently not a man because of his virginal state, which is ridiculous to all concerned. But what are you going to do on a macho backwater? All Takes the contract and they have a really lovely interlude. They talk a lot about the ceremony and the state of being and transitioning from one to the next. And I think they're setting up a really lovely moment.
0: He's in a whorehouse. He's getting laid to lose is cherry
1: i think it's a little more than that <laughs> i think i've got a point to make about this later when we get to the end of the episode
0: so actually <laughs> here's what it brought up for me so i grew up and there was a secret of a town in texas called La grange that had a cat house and that cat house was called the chicken ranch and you may have heard of the musical the best little whorehouse in texas that was actually a real place and it was an open secret. Everybody knew about the chicken ranch. And a crusading reporter from Houston got on a tirade about it and stirred up enough to get it closed. So there was a lot of publicity about it in the mid-70s. And I, re- I remember because I lived in a town with a university and they interviewed some university students who said something that effect if we found out one of our mates was a virgin. We would just tie him up, throw him in the trunk, and take him to the chicken ranch. And that's what it brought up for me. Yeah, but she, think- the, your observation is well put about the ceremony, and I was particularly struck about the transition and the phases. And I thought that was a really interesting way to think about it. And if you accept that, we are all going through phases of life maybe we transition through a lot of phases of life
1: oh, and absolutely virginity
0: to not virginity is just another one of them
1: i think it, like All things being equal, if you're feeling like anxious about your state of sexual maturity and a lot of extra anxiety and trying to set up the situation with another person, that can be really stressful. And so if the easiest way to ease that anxiety or to open this part of your life is to contract with a compassionate and competent professional who is going to be really good and (laughs) non-judgmental about how you feel, I think that's a perfectly fine way to go.
0: Indeed. (laughs) There are
1: way worse ways to go about things, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true. So anyway, that's going on. The interesting thing is he's the son of the magistrate on the planet or the town. And the magistrate is incredibly overbearing. Indeed, wants to be in when they perform the deed. Quite
1: medieval. And I mean that literally.
0: (laughs) Wants to have their dad around. And Anar shoes him out very effectively. And so we got that going on. Back
1: on the ship. There's some fun things happening too.
0: (laughs) Back on the ship. So what's happening back on the ship?
1: Shepherd Book has been left in charge of River, and Zoe is just holding down the fort. And uh, we get a really interesting scene with River and Shepherd Book. River, we've been told many times, is hyper brilliant. And we're starting to see they're dripping it in different episodes how clever she is. And so in this one, she is going through Shepherd Book's Bible and fixing it, which, you know, obviously to Shepherd Book is quite horrifying, but to River, she's just seeing all of these inaccuracies and not just like getting rid of everything that doesn't make sense, rewriting it in a way that does based on modern scientific ex- like understanding. I thought it was a really interesting kind of way to approach, I need to fix your Bible, it's broken, but Noah's Ark is a problem. <laughs> I thought it was so interesting and I'd love to read her version.
0: Indeed. And she said about two or three lines, which I interpreted to mean she was not reinterpreting or interpreting the Bible, she was reformulating it based on mathematical calculations. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is full of math and it's full of numbers. And I don't mean the chapter numbers, lots of numbers, lots of threes, lots of sevens, lots of 12. Mm-hmm. And I really was intrigued by that. And I would have loved to have her, had her, heard her explore that a little bit further. We didn't get that because then they moved. To the confront I don't know what would you call it, not confrontation, more than discussion. And the Bible gets torn. That I think disheartens the shepherd a bit. He yeah, had a then- wonderful
1: explanation of how faith in the Bible can be used more as symbols and as rituals and as guideposts for a life of faith that drives you to action, which I thought was very eloquently put.
0: Right. And then the hair scene.
1: Adorable. <laughs> Absolutely adorable. So it's an interesting kind of, because, it, you know, I think the religion shepherd is a member of, is very Christian-based. It has evolved from Christianity. But added to the edict that you can't cut your hair. For clergy, anyway, I thought that was really interesting. But his hair was quite large uh, and expressive and terrified River into hiding. Which was quite And quite when sweet. I say,
0: when you say terrified, you mean terrified.
1: Filled with terror.
0: <laughs> Filled with terror. Okay, so... We go back to Jane, and I (laughs) guess we skipped over the part where Jane actually explained what happened.
1: Of course, yes.
0: So you want to tell us about that?
1: The Jane that we know and are coming to adore did not willingly give a whole bunch of money to the poor indentured servants of Canton. They were trying to escape the law and had to drop weight, and the money fell out the back of the ship. He couldn't find it later. That is what happened. This was interpreted by the mutters as a generous Robin Hood-like act. And that's where we leave it right now, I think. Then we get into act two, where the magistrate discovers that Jane is back in town. That he's here on a ship, definitely wants to stop whatever is going on. And the kind of the heist part of the show begins when Jane is distracting everyone with a speech, which was not particularly eloquent, but was plainly very heartfelt while the rest of the crew is off finding and then repackaging the cargo to be transported.
0: Right on the speech, and let me speak say a few words about that, yeah. because my father fought in World War II and the Korean War, and he never talked about his experiences, or he did less than five times in my lifetime. And one time he said the cliche that I wasn't a hero, the heroes died, I came back. Jane took it in a little bit different direction. He made clear he wasn't a hero, but he didn't say the hero died. He just said, I'm just a bad man. That's what and, he said in the conversation
1: uh, with his old partner.
0: <clears throat> right. Yeah. And it turns out his old partner had also been jettisoned from the ship and had spent four years literally in a four-by-four four black box locked up and really had some uh, desires to wreak havoc and revenge on jane and then we came to a moment i'm not quite sure how to interpret so i did want to explore this with you yeah he has a rifle which of course we're not supposed to have on this planet nevertheless he raises it to shoot jane and the i think it was the boy who identified him in the bar jumps in front of Jane and takes the bullet and dies. And I thought a lot about that. And at first I thought this was just hero worship, but I really think there was a little bit more going on than simply hero worship. What did you think was going on with that?
1: I I thought it was pretty much hero worship. This younger man who had been probably raised on stories of Jane, then getting to meet him in person, which you probably thought would never happen, and maybe wanting to be a little bit of a hero himself but i didn't what did you think about it
0: i thought it was now that you say articulate that i was i'm persuaded that's it's closer to he was inspired to be a hero mm-hmm. because of jane and uh, and then another boy gives jane a knife with which he kills his former partner through all this the crew gets a gets the distraction they need to steal the mud Unfortunately, we forgot the ship about is on lockdown. <laughs> we forgot about the scene in the bar with kaylee And a doctor where they looks like they slept together, although it's two chairs together. So I hope they didn't because it would have been very uncomfortable for one and or both. But we don't get clarity on that point.
1: We don't. But we do get Mal saying it's time to leave and ask, hey, what were you two up to? And Simon says, oh, no, goodness, I would never. Extremely offensive after all of his fine words the night before. And Kaylee is quite justifiably furious. And storms off to do her much more important work.
0: (laughs) They save, the day is saved, they get their mud, they're back on the serenity. And Jane is still a little flummoxed by everything that's happened, particularly the hero worship part. And I really thought Mal had a great line at the end. And it was essentially, Jane, it's not about you, it's about them and what they need. Mm. And I thought that was just absolutely brilliant. Because I always think about the line that the heroes, or excuse me, the victors write history. Here we had the people wrote the history, and they wrote the history they needed. Yeah. And so I thought that was a great line for this episode to end on.
1: I I think, and I think it was a, a, a really good wrapping up and a really, I think, interesting little arc for Jane, getting the positive reinforcement for something that wasn't true but then at the end coming clean in front of everyone about what had actually happened i thought was a really nice move and i also would like to point out that inara basically saved the day on this one because there was a landlock like a virtual boot on the ship that the new man fess son of higgins removed because he felt so empowered all thanks to communicative and nurturing sex work so <laughs> <laughs> i uh- thought that was a fun point to make too. I wish they'd named him something different. Fess means buttock in French. It's just not a great name.
0: I will just say he was perhaps inspired the next day in a way he hadn't been inspired before. Yeah, um, but I think
1: it probably felt great but also someone treated him like a grown-up who was worth talking to like a grown-up. Yeah. Yep
0: yeah. so a fun episode. We learned something about Jane. I, I really like. The speech he gave because, as you said, perhaps not the greatest speech, but clearly from the heart. And when people talk from the heart, that's as good as it gets for me. On that. I guess that's it for Episode 7. I'm Tom Fox.
1: I'm Megan Doherty. See you next time.
0: This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this initial episode of Firefly. And I hope you'll join Megan and I for the entire season of Firefly episodes. Yes, 14 episodes over the next seven weeks. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to visiting with you next time.